Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Isaiah chapter number 40, and I want to begin reading with verse uh, 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. He, he doesn't have to succumb to all the things we have to succumb to. I get tired sometimes. Brother Jay and I, we, and I know you probably get tired of us talking about it, but nevertheless, we, we were coming home and nine and a half hours in one of those little seats. He said, hey, let's check on one of these business class deals. I said, well, you got the money, I got the time. I promise you. But uh, I think you're going to find out it's a little high. <laughs> and uh, matter of fact, I, I guess there's a lot of people that frequent flyers enough that they make all of those pretty much unavailable by the time you ask about them. And... Uh, you know, I, I got up there ahead of him, kind of crowded my way up, and said, "Hey, if you got a, if you got an exit row, I'd sure be willing to take it." And they said, "We got one left." I said, "Brother, you're gonna prefer the profit, aren't you? Surely, you're gonna prefer the profit." And uh, but anyway, we ended up all right. But nine and a half hours, I I can't sleep on those things. I noticed he could sleep real good. It didn't bother him a bit. He could sleep anywhere. He could sleep standing up. But I, I had a I had a hard time, and uh, I, I maybe dozed off a couple of times. But if somebody bumped me, and I'd be back awake again. I got weary. I got weary. We had six services, and in uh, just about three days, didn't have really any time to catch up on what was going on as far as the time zone. Four hours different in time, and all that long flight. We came in that afternoon, and they said we got church tonight. I said, well, bless God. Let's go. And we just never stopped. I got weary. But thankfully, God showed up, and he never got weary. And he makes up the difference. Can you say praise the Lord? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint. And be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12 and uh, verse number 1. Hebrews 12 and verse number 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run the race that is set before us. 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And I want to lift those three words as a text tonight. Let us run. Let us run. Praise God. Praise God. I want him to help us tonight. How many needs the help of the Lord in this service? How many wants him to move in your heart and life here tonight? Why don't you slip up your hands towards heaven and let's pray together right now for the authority of the Holy Ghost. God would have his way. Jesus, we look to you. We're praying, God, and believing for your help tonight. Praying, God, for your strength, your touch, your anointing in this place. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, would you give praise to the Lord? Come on, let's give praise to him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thank you for standing and you may be seated. One of the most challenging things for a child of God to do is to wait upon the Lord. Would you agree? We've all read this amazing passage of Scripture that I use as a text tonight. And if you've lived for God any period of time, and if you've studied the Scripture and and you daily look into the Word of the Lord, this is probably one of those verses of Scripture that has ministered to you over and over again. You've been able to look back on this and maybe even quote it to yourself, or perhaps you have it even hanging in your house somewhere. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk. And not faint. You can't hardly read that passage of Scripture without being enthusiastic about it. You, you can't hardly quote or recite that verse of Scripture without being encouraged. Doesn't matter what you may be facing, what you may be going through, when you read that passage or quote that passage, you feel inspired by the Word of the Lord. That's just one of those verses of Scripture that we lean upon, that we, we look to, and that is encouraging to us at moments when we need encouragement. Yet waiting upon the Lord can be a very challenging prospect for us. How many knows what it's like to wait upon God? How many is experiencing a period of time when you're having to be patient and wait upon God right now? Maybe there's things that you've been praying about. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Across this building, wave your hand to the Lord. There's things I'm praying about presently, Pastor, that I want God to move in and work in. And I haven't seen all of the answer just yet. I haven't seen God move in the situation and fulfill the prayer just yet. And so we pray. And we continue to pray. And we fast. And we worship. And we remain faithful all while we wait upon the Lord. We don't always understand God's plan, but we know that He has a plan. We know that He has one that is a perfect plan. How many knows that God doesn't make mistakes? 
But God has a plan, and he's working this thing out after the counsel of his own will. And his will is better for me than what sometimes even my will or my desires are. His will for my life is what I will need in longevity. It may not always serve my purpose in the immediate. It may not always make me feel good in the present. But if I can yield myself to the ultimate purpose of God and the will of God and distrust in Him, then I know that He has a plan for my life. The Bible said that we are all the called according to His purpose. Amen. If God calls you, fills you with the Holy Ghost, you're here baptized in Jesus' name, then God has a plan for your life. You don't have to wonder if God has a purpose for your life. God does have a purpose. He has a perfect will. And in that will and in that perfect plan, there is peace. In that will and in that perfect plan is the ultimate joy that you're looking for. Everything that you need in life and everything that you desire for completeness in life is found in the will of God. When people get outside the will of God, that's when they become frustrated. When they get outside the will of God and they get outside of His plan, that's when heartache comes. When you get outside of the plan of God, that's when trouble erupts in your life. But if you can stay in the purpose of God and continue to trust God in His plan for your life, ultimately you're going to find peace. You're going to find completeness. Everything that you need is going to come to you and everything is going to work out and be all right. I've heard people say this statement, and maybe you have. If I were God, well, thank God you're not. If I were God, I'd do this. I'd do that. And usually when we make statements like that, it's because we've grown impatient waiting on God. Usually when we make statements like that, it's when we're trying to uh, impose our will on the will of God. Usually it's when we want to take over. It's, it's when we want to insert ourselves into the plan that God has for our lives. And we say things like, if I were God, I would do this and thus and so. Or I would, I would heal or I would deliver. But you know God sees through a different lens than you and I do. God sees things in a different way than you and I do. You and I can only see through a limited perspective you and I can only see many times just in the present. That's as far as we can see. But God sees the future and he sees eternity. He doesn't just see the earthly conditions and the things that are going around our circumstances right now. But he sees beyond all of that. And he sees our soul and what is best for our soul being saved. And right now, I may have to go through some things, but it may be that God's working something out of me that I can't go to heaven with. And God may be working something out of me that, that may be trouble to me later on in life. Maybe He's asking me to lay aside some things, as our text said in the book of Hebrews, so that I can run more effectively, so that I could be what God wants me to be, so that I can ably fulfill His purpose in my life, so that I can be empowered by Him to see His ultimate plan come to fruition in my life. And so uh, we're not God, and God is good at being God. I said God is good at what he does. 
You can trust in him. You can lean on him. You can't lean and trust upon everybody else, but you can trust in God. Amen. You can always depend upon everybody else, but you can depend upon God. You, you don't always know and cannot predict what everybody else is going to do sometimes, but you can predict what God is going to do. You know, I've been let down at times by the actions of people, believe it or not, in, in, in times of, of putting my hopes and my, and my uh, desire and what I would like to see God do through a person's life and then only to see that not turn out and them make decisions and choices that were not only not good for them but just uh, kind of dash my dreams for them. Believe it or not, your pastor, uh, preachers, men of God, they, they have dreams for your life, not just theirs. They, they want to see you fulfilled in the kingdom of God. They want to see you reach your ultimate purpose in the kingdom of God. If they're a true man of God, they pray for you that you would be what God wants you to be and receive and, and become all that God wants you to become. And so it's kind of, I don't know, disappointing when you don't see that come to fruition in people's life like it should. But I just want to state to you tonight, just because it always doesn't pan out like I think it ought to, God is still in control and He's still God. Amen. He's still God whether or not it works out like I planned it to or you planned it to. Amen. And he knows what he's doing. Amen. And nothing catches him off guard. God doesn't say, oh, i got to go to plan B here. I, I, I don't know. I wasn't expecting that. That kind of slipped up on me. That doesn't happen to God. It doesn't unfold like that. For God knows the end from the beginning. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what's going to take place. But the good thing about it, He gives everybody the same opportunity to fulfill His plan and to have the potential of being great in the kingdom of God. Oh, that ought to make somebody shouting happy tonight. Hallelujah. And if you're not trusting God, then you're trusting something. That's right. If you're not trusting God, then more than likely you're trusting your own will. You're trusting your own ingenuity. You're trusting your own skills and ability and ways of doing things. But the only way to win is when you trust God and you allow Him to work in your life. You can't just trust Him in some things, but you've got to trust Him in all things. The book of Proverbs chapter number 3 instructs us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Verse 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all, everybody say all, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Amen, he's got control. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to lead us. There's pitfalls along the way that we need to avoid. And he knows how to direct our path around them. There's things that we could fall into, traps that we could fall into. There's things that the devil has, snares that he's placed there that he wants to ensnare us in and, and thwart the will of God and purpose and plan of God for our lives. But if we'll follow him, he will direct our path around all of those things. 
Amen. Because again, God's not caught off guard. Sometimes we're caught off guard. But if we'll trust God, we don't have to be blindsided all the time. If we'll get in the spirit of things and let God direct us and lean upon Him and trust in Him and not our own ingenuity and our own will and desire and what we think is best, but we follow God and His plan. I'm telling you, God will lead us to an ultimate end that is going to be the best for each of our lives. Amen. Praise God. I want you to understand, God doesn't have favorite children. God doesn't have people that he favors above another. God doesn't have people that he blesses above another. He doesn't have people that he says, well, I I choose this person over another person. If that person is more blessed than you are, it's because they have been more yielded to the principles of trusting God and his word and obeying him. That's the reason why they're blessed. Praise God. And when we yield ourselves to Him and say, God, I'm taking my hands off the wheel. I remember when I was trying to learn how to drive, God, uh, my dad set me on his lap and he said, uh, uh, take off, man. I couldn't even reach the pedals. But he said, I'll do it for you. He said, but you're in control of the steering wheel. And I'd get driving down the road and he'd kind of speed up and I'd, I'd look down. He had his hand down there on the bottom of the steering wheel. I said, Daddy, take your hand off. Let me drive. Let me be in control. Let me turn where I want to turn. Let me do what I want to do. And that's the way we are sometimes. Daddy, take your hand off the wheel. I got this. I, I can take care of this. And then all of a sudden, when the, when the thing starts going towards the ditch, I said, Daddy, get your hand back on the wheel. Get control of this thing. I'm going to tell you, we need him to put his hands on the wheel. We need him to drive this thing. He knows what our ultimate destiny needs to be. He knows where we're going. He knows where this journey is going to lead. And we need to trust him in it. Oh, come on. Let's clap our hands and give praise to the Lord. Somebody lift up the name of Jesus right now. In all thy ways acknowledge him. You know, one of the most dangerous things that you can do is try to save a drowning person. Because they're struggling against you. The very one that's trying to save them, a lot of times they're fighting them and resisting them. Fear makes them do things that resist the very one that's trying to save them out of the waters and keep them from drowning and sparing their life. And that's the way we are sometimes. We resist the one that is trying to help us. And we chafe against the will of God for our lives. And we wonder, why is it that I'm having to go through this? And we get bitter and resentful towards the thing that is going on and the trial that we're facing and that we're going through. But the Bible did say, with patience we possess our soul. Amen. And we're... We're being taught some things and how to trust God and His plan for our lives. Isaiah chapter number 55 and verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. God doesn't think like I think. Amen. He doesn't operate like I would operate all the time. He doesn't do things always just like I would like Him to do things. His will isn't always compatible with my will. But I've got to trust him. I'm going somewhere tonight. You just ride with me a little while. Trusting him. Amen. And when we fail to trust God again, we create trouble for ourselves. 
when we take things in our own hands and when we get ahead of God and when we force things. We see a great example. I referred to it this morning uh, when Moses and the people of God were brought out of Egypt and then Pharaoh changes his mind and pursues after them and they're faced with the Red Sea and then they've got their Egyptian captors behind them and they turn to Moses as if to say, what are we going to do now? You're the one that had the bright idea of getting us out here. You're the one that said that God spoke to you. And you're the one that told Pharaoh to let my people go. And, and now, now look at where we're at. Look at the jam that we're in. You know, that is the tendency of most of us is to try to blame somebody when things don't go good, when things are not perfect when things are not smooth sailing, it's a tendency of all of us to want to blame somebody else. Usually it's not ourselves. You hardly see anybody saying, I'm just, you know, we was over there in Brazil and man, we was eating like crazy. I mean, I had never ate like that in the last two years. I, I mean, it was just like ever. I mean, they was pushing it on us like they was, I don't know, it was worse than drug pushers. I'd never seen anything like it. I, they'd bring, they wouldn't bring one dessert by. They'd bring three or four or five desserts by. Say, here, try this. You must not like our food. I was like, oh, you got me there. I mean, you know, you can tell by looking at me, I like food. Come on now. You see, you see me the last time I was here. You know I like food. And, uh, you know, uh, they just kept coming over and kept pushing it on us. And, and uh, I, I said, well, uh, I don't want to offend them. Bless God, you know, some things just hard when it comes to the work of the Lord. You just got to yield to it. And so I just let it, let it kind of unfold. That's, uh, that's what I've been taught to do. So I just ate up. And I'd come back to the room and I'd tell Brother Jay, I said, I'm so mad at myself. I'm so mad at myself. Amen. I didn't get mad at, at Sister Lambeth for pushing this stuff on me. She didn't make me chomp my, my gum. She didn't make me eat that stuff. She made it awful enticing, though. I'm going to tell you, sometimes we just need to point our finger in the mirror and say, Oh, buddy, you're the one to blame for this jam that I'm in because you failed to trust God. You failed to continue in the plan of God. You failed to keep walking with God as you needed to. Somewhere you got off track. And so they begin to blame Moses. And Moses, he didn't have any immediate answers for them as he stood out there on the brink of the Red Sea. But finally, the word of the Lord came to him. And the word was this, stand still. After you've done what I ask you to do, just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. What was he trying to say is, Moses, when I get through with this, it's not going to be you, and it's not going to be them, and it's not going to be some kind of coincidence that people's going to be able to say that this is how you weaseled out of this problem and this jam that you're in. You'll know that I'm God. You know the reason why God allows some red seas to stand before you is when you get through this, you can look back with a testimony and say it wasn't me or anything that I did, but it was God that brought me out. It was God that breathed the pathway through the Red Sea. It was God that made a way where there seemed to be no way. It was God that brought me out and not my flesh and not myself and not my ability and not what I could do. But it was God that done it.
when God gets ready to move, He doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our intervention. When God gets ready to heal, He doesn't need our intervention. When God gets ready to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost, you don't have to get up in the air and jabber to Him and tell Him, you should repeat after me and you say this and, and enough G, G, G and his jaw, jaw, jaw and you can get the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, when God does it, He does it all by Himself because He is God all by Himself. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. So don't get resentful. But wait. Oh, don't get bitter. But wait, your blessing's coming. Isaiah is a prophet, you know. And he's seeing on down the line. And he's prophesying. You know, sometimes people get all hung up in, in certain Prophecies, and, and I've heard people make all kinds of mistakes in interpreting uh, prophetic passages of Scripture. And I heard even one man say one time, when it talks about a stammering lip and another tongue, in the Old Testament, it was not speaking of the Holy Ghost. I said, well, that's funny. I said, because it's quoted in the book of Acts. Did you forget that? Oh, it didn't dawn on me. I said, well, you might ought to think about it before you get up and preach that. That's some great revelation. I know what you're saying because it has more than just one meaning. It has a meaning for the present and it has a meaning for the future. And I believe this text that I read to you tonight, it also has futuristic meaning because, again, Isaiah is a prophet and he is seeing through the prophetic lens of things that is to come. And I have preached, and about every preacher has preached from this passage in the book of Isaiah. But I noticed something about this. First of all, I noticed the sequence of things. He foresees supernatural strength that will come to God's people. Outside help that will come to God's people. Strength that comes from an outside source that is not natural. Strength to do things that they would not be able to do on their own. Uh, things that defies nature and the way things were originally created and defies the laws of nature. I'm going to tell you, that's the God we serve. He's able, because he created in the beginning, he's able to defy every law. He's able to turn things around. He's able to move in ways that we need him to move. He's able to defy logic. He's able to defy what we think is, is, is capable uh, of being done. God is able to go beyond all of that. And so we see in this passage of Scripture as he begins to, to give us some understanding that strength is going to come from an outside source. So I hear an echo here over in the New Testament as I read the book of Isaiah. The echo comes back from the book of Acts chapter number 1 and verse 8. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Anybody get what I'm talking about? Amen. Jesus said in Luke 24 and 49 that you shall be endued with power from on high. Amen. There's, there's something coming that is different from anything else you've experienced. There's going to be power, an outside source that you're going to be filled with that's going to give you power to do what you've never been able to do. What you've not been able to fulfill and accomplish in your flesh. 
I'm going to give you the power to do that. You're going to defy what your flesh was originally intended to do and what it's capable of. You're going to be able to go beyond that. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When you get weary, when you get tired, when, when, when it seems like, when it seems like you can't go on, when it seems like you're being resisted, when it seems like you've served and you've given until you've given out, oh, just wait upon the Lord. There's going to be a renewing of your strength and you're going to, you're going to receive a refreshing. You're going to receive a renewing. You're going to get an outside source to help you when it seems like you're at your wits end the Holy Ghost can take over when it seems like you can't go anymore the Holy Ghost can take over the Bible said it this way in the book of Zechariah it said it's not by might nor yet by power it's not going to be human strength it's not going to be human might but it's by my spirit saith the Lord of hosts there's coming a day that there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost that's going to come and it's going to give you strength strength to live right strength to walk right strength to stand up as you need to in a sinful world strength to live righteously oh clap your hands and let's give him praise right now and so Notice again the progression of things here. We start with walking. We start with walking. Children, you know, before you you can run, you certainly need to learn how to walk. Uh, I have grandkids that hadn't figured that one out. Amen. But walking, you know, that's a process. And there's certain things that have to take place in order for a child to be able to walk. First of all, in order for them to be able to walk, there has to be maturity. They don't come out of the womb walking. They're not born. They don't walk out of the hospital with you. You carry them in your arms. And it's a process of time and maturity. And then there's balance that is learned in all of this. And how to balance them. They start pulling up and, and then, you know, they started crawling. Then they start kind of pulling up on things. And then, you know, we all have those pictures of us standing out there with our arms open and bidding them to walk into our arms. And usually they'll take a few steps and fall into our arms. And then they learn and they grow. And then one of the things that they, they've got to have to be able to walk is confidence. Confidence. They've got to trust that they have the ability to do that. And, uh, of course, coordination. But And I could talk about each of these things, and I don't have time tonight, but to have confidence to walk. Could I just center on that for just a few moments? you got to have confidence to walk and to stand up straight and to go where you need to go and to do what you need to do. And uh, so you, you got to have confidence. You know, when, when you was first learning how to walk, you could look at about a uh, year and a half, two-year-old kid, and you could tell they're learning how to walk because they got little blue and dark marks all over their skull and forehead, and they got them on their little hands and arm scrapes, and their knees look like a, uh, they've been through a meat grinder. I mean, it's just a, because they're learning. They haven't figured it out. There's a whole lot of stumbling, and there's a whole lot of falling. 
as they're learning how to walk. Amen. Sometimes they fall down. But but thankfully, even a child knows how to get back up. Even a child doesn't give up. There's something in their nature that says, you know, I may be down, but I'm not going to stay down. I may have to cry a little while about this until the pain subsides, but I'm going to get back up again. You know, a child of God could understand some things about that. It's not meant for you to stay down. Come on, it's not natural for you to stay down. Oh, I feel like preaching tonight. I said it's not natural for you to stay down. It's not, it's not meant for you. You weren't born to, to, to live without walking. You weren't born to be immobile. You weren't born just to stay in a handicapped position. Oh, but God gave you strength so that you could stand upright and you could walk and you could draw closer to Him and near to Him and be what you need to be. Come on, somebody needs to get back up again. The prophet said, rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. In other words, I'm not staying down. I'm going to get back up, skint knees and all. I'm going to get back bruises and all. I'm going to get back in the fight no matter what. I may have bumped my head, but I'm going to get back up. I got some bounce in me. I got some determination in me. I'm going to walk on. Oh, come on. Let's give some praise to the Lord right now. I may stumble. I'm not perfect at this. I'm still maturing. I'm still gaining balance, but I am going to get back up. I'm going to get back up. You, You take a person that has walked with God a while, they got balance. They've learned balance. You can tell a child they're kind of unsteady on their feet. But after a while, you gain strength and maturity and you get your balance and your equilibrium. It's important that you be balanced in your walk with God. Amen. You know, you get into this thing and I mean you want to take on hell with a water pistol. Yeah, man, I'm charging the gates of hell. I'm ready to stomp them down. Where are you at, devil? Just reveal yourself. I'll dehorn you tonight. Uh, wherever you're at, I'm going to send you back where you came from. He may send you back if you're not careful. Amen. You better go as a, as a man of God did in the Scripture and said, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. You better depend upon his strength, that outside source, because you don't have it in yourself. It's not your flesh that got you to where you're at. It's the Spirit of God that got you to where you're at. And you've got to learn how to walk in the Spirit. You walk in the Spirit. And, and we could talk about that. But, uh, you know, uh, the Bible tells us that, that Isaiah is seeing something here. He's seeing Old Testament saints as they walk with God. In fact, that seems to be the emphasis in the Old Testament as they're walking with God. You don't see too many instances in the Scripture. They didn't, they didn't really have the ability to run as it were, if I could say it that way. But they walked with God. In fact, we see all the way back in the book of uh, Genesis chapter number 5 and verse 24, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And then Hebrews the 11th chapter and the 5th verse says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, 
and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Oh, that's the testimony I want. Matter of fact, there's an emphasis in the Old Testament about that was the requirement is that you learn how to walk with God. In Micah chapter 6 and verse 8 it says, What doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and walk humbly, humbly before God, before thy God? Amen. Oh, yeah, we could, we could use a little of that today, couldn't we? Learning how to walk humbly before God. Amen. But you've got to learn how to walk. Before you can ever expect to run, my brother, you've got to learn how to walk. Before you can ever expect to do great things in God, you've got to learn how to be faithful to God. Before you can ever learn or ever be expected to do great exploits for God, you've got to learn some basic things about serving God. You've got to get that down pat first. I, I realize my amens are kind of dwindling. But I'm still going to preach to you tonight that it's important that you start out with walking. Before you can ever feel the high anointing up here, you got to live an honest life of integrity. You can't be a liar. You can't be a cheat. You got to do what you say you're going to do. Your word's got to be worth something. If you're going to, if you're going to run, my brother, you got to know how to walk with God. I don't know. I may get in trouble here. But you can't be a hot check writer and walk with God. You, you can't lie to your brothers and your sisters and walk with God. You, you can't tell somebody and be a hypocrite about who you are and what you are and walk with God. you got to fall in lockstep with Him and learn how to walk with Him. Amen. These people didn't have the Holy Ghost, but they learned how to walk with God. Amen. When you repent of your sins, you're beginning a, a walk. You're weak, but you're beginning a walk. You're dying out to the world. You're putting those things of the world behind you. And you're casting off, as we read this morning, the works of darkness. Learning how to walk with God. And that was, that was the emphasis of the Old Testament. Amen. Noah walked with God. Abraham walked out of the air of the Chaldees and Walked with God. Built altars along the way. Amen. There's going to have to be a lot of prayer meetings to continue this walk. There's going to be a lot of altars if you're going to continue this walk. Moses walked with God. He walked right out of Egypt. And he walked and he kept believing. He kept trusting. kept following God. Joshua walked with God. And David who it seems like if you read the Psalms got little glimpses of a day to come when the Spirit was going to be poured out because he said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. This was a man that was already getting glimpses of, he, he walked so close to God at times that he was able to get glimpses of the Holy Ghost that was to come. And he was able even, I don't know how much he realized that he was prophesying about a, a time that was coming when people's not going to just be walking, but they're going to be running, bless God. Amen. They're going to get something that I have never tasted of. They're going to experience something that I have never had the opportunity to delve into. They're going to experience something that is going to elevate them and accelerate them on this journey and that is going to, you know where I'm going tonight is there somebody that understands amen, that first it starts with walking. Come on, clap your hands to him again. They walk by faith, not having received the promised but they walked Yet Isaiah foresaw 
a day coming when God's people would get to run. Oh, yeah. And that brings us to our text here tonight in Hebrews chapter number 1. Therefore seeing, or wherefore seeing, we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. They, they're looking in because some of those old patriarchs, they didn't get to experience what you experienced. They, they didn't get to have what you had. They were looking for that. They, they, were, they were walking towards that, but they, they never got to experience it on the wise that you get to experience it. This great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Amen. When you're weary, when you're weary, and when you're, when you're, it seems like you're about to faint, when it seems like that you've given all of your energy and your strength, the Bible says that you shall run and not be weary. You shall walk and not faint. That's not natural, but that's Him helping me. That's the power of the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. I didn't get that in myself. I don't get that in my own strength. But it's God helping me to overcome the weaknesses and the temptations of my flesh when I want to fall down. Amen. He gives me the strength to keep on going. When I want to give up, He gives me the strength to keep on running. So I tell this church, let's run. Let's run for revival. Let's run for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Let's run for a move of God like we've never seen before. Amen. God has given us the opportunity to walk. But now He's living. We're living in a day when we can run. We can run for Him. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Would you stand with me right now? Let's lift up our hands to the Lord.